0: Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters,
1: we live in a period of time where we are seeing the rise of female entrepreneurs. Did you know that two thirds of new businesses created in Australia in the past decade have been founded by women? There has in fact been a 46% jump in women business owners over the past 20 years. And according to a new study, women started 49% of new businesses in 2021 in the US, which is up from 28% in 2019. Like that's a significant jump. So have you ever had a yearning to leave your job and take the leap into starting your own business? Uh, as many of you know, I started my own business 11 years ago, a photography business, and it was a whole journey in itself. I no longer do photography. I now run a charity called Got Your Back Sister, but I still get totally inspired by women who take the leap because it is a leap and it takes a lot of bravery and courage to start and grow your own business. I get totally inspired by those women. And so today I have one such woman who took the leap from a successful corporate career to entrepreneur, and that is Holly Martin. So Holly is a well-established business person, but she calls herself an accidental entrepreneur. She's a Managing Director and Chief Marketer of the Marketing GP and has also founded a number of other businesses in the last decade, ranging from product-based businesses to for-purpose media, which sounds like a true definition of an entrepreneur, starting and growing multiple businesses, maybe keeping them, maybe selling off those businesses. She knows what it's like to build a business or two, but as is the case for most successful businesswomen, the road has certainly not come without its bumps. And Holly is here today to share some of her business and life lessons and inspire all you wonderful
0: entrepreneurial women. Hey, Holly, thanks for coming in. Hey, Mel, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm a bit nervous after that intro.
1: Uh, Do you know what? It's funny. It's like when you do, I I, I know when I go to a speaking gig and get up and talk and they read my bio out, by the time I'm on the stage, I feel like a complete fraud or imposter going, oh my God, I need to change that bio.
0: (laughs) And it's weird because it's all true. But when you hear somebody else talking about it, you think, oh, is that me? Okay.
1: Oh, totally. Absolutely. And you know, the funny thing is though, that I never actually, even though I'm cringing while my bio is being read out, I actually don't. Go and change it. And then it happens again and again and again. Anyway, and now I go, How would I change it?
0: Because you're right. Actually, it's true. It's just that feeling of listening to other people talk about you feels really intimidating. And, you know, you think you don't want to follow that. Yeah. And so, yeah, every time I think, and that's why I get other people to write my bio for me because I'm never going to write a bio, I think, that actually reflects what I do. So now I get somebody in my team to do it.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. And I wonder for any of you business girls out there, entrepreneurial women, career women, business owners, if you feel the same way.
0: Yeah. And it's about getting out of your own way with that, which is why I go, okay, I can't be trusted to do this myself. (laughs) So let's trust somebody else. I'm going to say this business lesson number one. One, done. Tick. Yeah. It's like get somebody else to
1: write your bio. Yeah. There you go. Lesson number one. Okay, so I've actually known you, I reckon it must be about 14 years I was trying to work it out. Yeah, easy. Actually, 13 or 14 years because, do you know what, it's 13 years since I had my breast cancer and I started I joined the board of the Hunter Breast Cancer Foundation which you were a member of. Yeah that's where we met. Yes so that was um, towards the end of my treatment
0: so that's 13 years ago and I can't remember if we knew each other before that or not. Well the Hunter region we probably had come across each other but like many board experiences that's when you actually get to know people a lot better um, especially something like a community run board where you just have to muck in all together.
1: Totally. And I remember, I think you were about 26 at the time. I think Uh, you were. were, I reckon so. You were like in your mid-20s. And I remember looking at you like you were this little... Like kickass <laughs> woman, I remember like wow, she's amazing. You'd come to meetings; you were so knowledgeable. You were really driven, and
0: you just got shit done. Is that funny? Because I felt quite intimidated being in the room with other people. Um, you know, I've been on boards since my early twenties, and so I'd feel intimidated. So it's that thing of fake it till you make it. Um, so I'm glad that that's what I was projecting because I was I felt like I was sitting there soaking it all up and. Trying trying. trying to learn as much as I could um, as to what it looks like to be on a board, what it looks like to give back to your community in that way um, and what you can learn as well. Well, well, I'm going to say another little business lesson there is
1: <laughs> that is that even while uh, you're sitting in the room and potentially inside, you may be feeling yeah. a bit intimidated. Um, I never thought once that you were anything other than amazing. That so, that's what you totally were giving out to the world. Great. That's good to hear. <laughs> there you go sometimes i know some people frown upon the fake until you make it but i go do you know what sometimes it's just you know digging deep and going i'm gonna get through this and i'm gonna learn from
0: this and actually projecting out that that you that you're all over it and i think it I think fake it till you make it also aligns with imposter syndrome as well. So, there was no reason that I couldn't have been on that board. It was just my imposter syndrome. So, I have to, you know, you have to give yourself that talking to and say, you're here, you're doing it, just put one foot in front of the other. And so, it's not about jumping into something that you've got no skills you know related to or no ability to do it's that inner voice that's telling you that you don't so when you put the two of them together i I think that's where you can kind of really see the success i love
1: that yeah so at the time you were climbing up
0: the corporate ladder yeah i was really
1: focused on that yeah you hadn't started your own business yet i think you were
0: hunter water then uh yeah i probably was yeah so that was my um quasi-government period of my career We've all done that. Mine, mine was work cover. Yes. yep, yep. I think it's really important. You know, government organizations work different to privately owned, work different to charity led. Um, and they're really, it's a great experience. You get to work with a lot of different people. And I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity in my career.
1: It's interesting because I yeah I worked at WorkCover for three years in the marketing communications team, and I went from there to a privately owned company, and it yeah. was really interesting. And um, you know while I was working for WorkCover, um, which I think now they call it WorkSafe, but. Um, at the time it was work cover, And I remember, you know, everything was like, was all about strategy. It was about yeah. corporate goals. It was, you know, delivering on strategy, creating, you know, action plans around yeah. the corporate strategy. Everything was documented. It's and
0: process, procedure and that experience, I think has really helped me with my own business because lots of small businesses don't do that, um, especially if you hadn't had experience in that space. But yeah, definitely process driven. Yeah,
1: it's so interesting because when I went to then uh, a privately owned company, company after work cover I was surprised at the lack
0: of process you know you can balance the the processes and procedures in a smaller business and you can be a bit more nimble that's the thing that I found is that things just move a bit slower I love nimble yeah I love nimble yeah (laughs) want to save your soul review us on apple podcast
1: so how did you then what what was it that made you want to take the leap from um, working climbing the corporate ladder um, you've got a great career you're on boards uh, for community organizations and you've always been very active in in terms of women uh, networking business networking you know you've really built yourself a profile in the business world in, in a corporate sense but then you've taken the leap to start your own business what 10 years ago yeah what was it that made you do that
0: It's interesting. In your intro, you were talking about, you know, having an urge to start a business and to be an entrepreneur, and that was not my journey at all. It was um, this situation, like you said, I did a lot of networking, so people would ask me advice around marketing, particularly small business owners, and um, I was working with an IT firm. I was in my second year with them, and I just wasn't busy enough. And I thought, oh, gosh, this job is not a full-time job anymore. You know, I spent the first year setting everything up. It was the first time that I'd had a marketing person. Uh, and I thought, oh, I'm going to be out of a job here. So I was really thinking, okay, what can I do? Maybe, maybe I could start a business, just a small business. I'd just help small business owners. That's what I'd do. And that's kind of where it started. So I approached my, my boss of this small business owner and said, okay, you know how this isn't really a full-time job? And he just looked at me, and he went, "No, what do you mean?" And I went, "No, what do you mean?" I, I'm I'm constantly asking you for more work. I'm trying to do new things. Like I, my days are never full enough. And he was just flawed. He didn't realize where I was coming from and what I was thinking. But I think in the end, he was really grateful that I'd seen that too. And I, you know, I wasn't the type of person, I can't just sit in a job. That's that's not how I, you know, some people can and that's great. That's just not how I'm wired. And so, that was the start. And I worked for that company part-time and then I started my own business part-time. So, really low-risk approach to starting a business. I didn't go all in. I really wanted to hedge my bets. And yeah, so that's how it started and I just started putting out feelers and the best bit I think was when um, I started putting out feelers and just letting people know I just had people coming out of the woodwork going, how can I help? What can I do? Who can I refer? Who do you want to work with? And I just thought, oh, this is going to be easy. (laughs) How good is that? Yeah.
1: That's so good. And it's interesting. My husband always said to me um, when I started uh, my business 11 years ago, the photography business, Actually, it was 13 years ago. Anyway, I remember (laughs) he said to me, you can't rely on family and friends forever. They might help you to kind of like get off the ground, but really you need to be getting those referrals yeah. um, and work coming in from other people that you don't know.
0: Yeah, and I I don't know, I really, I hadn't thought about it. I didn't have a business plan. I, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing. I, I hadn't been really at that stage surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurs and so I really didn't know what it entailed. Um, I spoke to um, a mentor of mine, Meg Persa, and I said, what do you think? and I I still remember talking to her about how much I was going to charge and when I told her the figure she was like are you joking you need to charge three times as much as that so just little things like that you you don't know what you don't know absolutely how important is having a mentor yeah I think mentors are really important I've never had a formal mentor so someone like Meg I did work experience with her for for two years so it just happened really naturally uh but I really seek out other business owners. Um, I'm forever asking questions, you know, I'll be at a networking event and talking to a business owner and they'll be telling me about something and I'll, why did you, why did you do that? How did you make that decision? You know, what courses did you do? Who did you speak to? I'm, you know, I'm picking the brains of everyone I come across because I know I've never run a business of this size before. And I say that every time the business grows. So there's always more to learn. And that, kind of continuous education piece, I think has been one of my biggest learnings in running a business. So, talking about that, you mentioned your business growth. So, you started Just Holly was,
1: was the business yeah, that you that started. Name. So, how did you go from that to now you've got the yeah. marketing GP
0: yeah. and how many staff do you have now? Uh, we're a team of 18 now.
1: Holy
0: dooly. Yeah, yeah. That's a big team. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And whenever I say that number, it, I think my shoulder's go off and get a bit tense (laughs) because anybody that employs
1: people and especially like 18 is is a big number like the sense of responsibility the sense of making sure that all the wheels are turning and and as properly and keeping across everything like that's a whole other level than just kind of being a solopreneur
0: yeah and again it's that thing of I didn't go into this thinking I was going to grow a Business. I was just going to be just Holly. That that was the name. That was the idea behind it. Yeah, and
1: that was the name of your business to start yeah, with. Was just
0: Holly. Yeah, and uh, I think we're at about five staff when it just became a bit untenable. You know, people were ringing and saying, "Hi, I'm from Just Holly," but their name wasn't Holly. <laughs> yeah, um, and creating confusion in the marketplace. That was a great lesson too because I was really holding on to it. I would joke about how you know, the TV show, The Nanny. She married Mr. Sheffield. The TV show was was still called The Nanny. It didn't need to be called The Wife or, you know, Roses Only. They don't just sell roses. And I really held on to it because I I thought, well, you know, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But then when we made the decision to rebrand, the business went on another growth trajectory, which I think is directly related to the name change. It needed to be the right name and Just Holly wasn't the right name for the business that it was then.
1: Yeah. Isn't it interesting how we hold on to some things?
0: Yeah. And it had nothing to do with it being my name. It was more just around, um, I think I had an emotional attachment to that name. And there was also a little bit of, oh gosh, the work involved in changing the name. The rebrand. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And so that was probably in my mind too, but it just got to the point and it was, you know, somebody that another business owner that I was speaking to that just said why aren't you doing it you keep talking about it so just change it and I went yeah great it actually is that simple yeah so you changed from Just Holly to the marketing GP yeah yeah and noticed a massive leap in growth that, that was that was one of the first kind of big spikes in growth you know and over the decade I've You know, when you pay attention to it, each time I make a hard decision, I see another spike in growth, which is really annoying because then I have to keep making the hard decisions, right?
1: Yeah. The hard decisions. Yeah. But do you know what? I think that's what sets great leaders and great business leaders apart is actually not shying away from the hard decisions. Mm.
0: Yeah. And they just keep popping up. Even things like uh, we were a um, completely online business so we didn't have an office and I thought that's fine we don't need an office that's just an overhead we don't need and we would just meet in person you know periodically then there just came this turning point where it was like no we need a space but we don't need a space for everyone so I think we might have been about eight. Seven staff. And so we got an office in a shared office space. There was enough space in our um, pod for four desks. And I thought, oh God, they won't even be full all the time. This is, you know, going to be such dead money. And they were full all the time. You know, everybody wanted to be in the office all the time. I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And so then made the next jump to an office, but again, thought too small. I thought, this office is far too big for us. And then we had to move again. It's just that. I wonder when I'm going to learn that lesson to stop thinking small. Uh, and I don't know when that turning point will be.
1: But good on you for actually, um, again, making those hard decisions, having the vision and being able to be nimble and flexible enough to grow and change and, and make move into the new premises, get the staff, um, go for the rebrand yeah. and do everything that you need to do to keep going and growing.
0: Uh, that that's the big lesson, right? Is that you don't know everything in business. You don't know which way it's going to go. And even the the service lines that we offer that has evolved over time as well and become a lot more clear cut. And that's okay that it it looks different to what it did five years ago or ten years ago. It doesn't need to look like today what it's going to look like in the next ten years either. Um, because especially in marketing, everything changes so much. One of our service lines didn't even really exist ten years ago. So how could I have planned for that? Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram.
1: So, you said, you know, a few years ago that you didn't have the big business
0: plan yeah. per se. Do you have one now? Don't, we don't have a business plan in the traditional sense. What we do have is we have goals. And so what we're looking at is, okay, these are the service lines we've got. What do we need to succeed in that space? What would that look like? And then that's kind of how we plan. I've also obviously gotten a lot more savvy about uh, the financial goals as well because, like you said, 18 staff members, it's important to really have a finger on a pol- the pulse of that. Um, I always joke about how I'm really tight with money in the business and it's not so much that I'm tight but it's more that if I'm if we're going to invest in something, I want it to be worthwhile because if I'm putting the money there, I'm not putting it elsewhere and that's what I'm focused on.
1: Yeah, and do you know what? I, I, I can totally relate to that you know when it's got your back sister is coming up to seven years old and when I first started that it was kind of me and that was me in a VA and that was me and two contractors and now it's me and there's a a team of there's six of us and once upon a time it was like oh okay we're just gonna look for opportunity just go for it you know it was totally nimble and now it's because we have a team and it's nowhere near as big as your team but it's like, oh, okay. Got some responsibility and accountabilities here now. So I actually am looking at budgets, looking at finances, looking at processes and procedures, looking at strategic goals, developing those, and then how everybody can work to those goals and be accountable to those goals. And I'm like, I was reflecting on it this morning, thinking. This is where we're at now.
0: <laughs> well, and it, it actually doesn't matter how big your team is. It's that shift of when it's not just you and even you and one other is still doable. The second it goes from more than two people, you need to get it out of your head. And that was a massive learning curve for me because I had just done it all. And so, I didn't need to have it documented because I knew how it worked. And so, as you grow, that, you know, that learning is really important. And I wish perhaps if I had had a growth mindset at the start, I probably would have set up those processes and procedures from the the beginning and that would have made growth easier. But I look back on, you know, any... You know, mistakes or errors and I, I think that but also wouldn't be here today in this position if I hadn't had those lessons I guess.
1: What's the most common myth that people have about the field of marketing?
0: It's probably not so much a myth as it's something that I think happens in every industry which is the people who do the wrong thing give the industry a bad name and so we end up with some you know new clients sometimes who've been burnt by other people people or situations and then when they come to us we have to spend all this time earning their trust like a lot more than we would normally and the lesson I've learned there also is perception because they might think they've been burnt but they just didn't know how to work with an employee that was a marketer or an agency and so it's really about going well what what was the root cause there and how can we take them on a journey to make this successful um, yeah, so that's kind of when I, when I look at things, I think, oh, back in the day, I probably would have just been like, oh, yeah, they're right. They got burnt. But that's, you know, there's always two sides to every story. And that is a much better position to come from when you're thinking that everybody was just doing their best, but they just weren't the right fit for each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, another question. You have created a number of businesses so not just the marketing GP tell us about some of the, those other business ventures because that's the definition of actually of an entrepreneur I know a lot of people throw that term around yeah just like I started a business I'm an entrepreneur well no actually an entrepreneur is somebody who starts and grows different businesses over yeah. you know over a lifespan and they may keep them they may sell them off they're not actually super attached to the business. It's about um, being growing those businesses to be successful and then making decisions about what to
0: do with them. Yeah, and I think that that's why I don't consider myself an entrepreneur in relation sh- to the marketing GP because that I am very emotionally attached <laughs> to that business. <laughs> very, very. So, the other ones though, that's I guess where the entrepreneurship comes in and definitely accidental. But I think it's interesting how – many business owners then do transition into being an entrepreneur because once you've started one business, the fear kind of dissipates. Your risk appetite changes because you go, okay, I understand the nuts and bolts of what I need to do. Uh, so, the, f- the year after I'd started this business, um, I saw a gap in the market for a business news website for the Hunter region and I thought, oh, nobody else is doing it. I spoke to a few people in PR and said, what, what would you think about this? And so, they thought it sounded good and I did it look, my advice to, would be don't start a second business a year after starting your first business. <laughs> i saying that Hunter Headline is super successful and it's been going all this time. Yeah, so it's nine years old wow. as well. Uh, that was that was hard yakka because I, I was trying to build two businesses then and... I remember watching Shark Tank and they never wanted to invest in somebody who had more than one business because fair enough, they were saying, well, hang on, I'm not getting 100% of you. I'm getting 50% of you because you're in the other business. And that is so true. The second you start another business, you cannot give 100% to any of the businesses. It hasn't stopped me, but I do. I am aware of it each time, I guess. And so, but again, I saw a gap and Hunter Headline was great because it aligned with you know, my core business in that we did do PR as part of that. But I also had to be really careful when we launched it so that people wouldn't think it was just a vehicle for our clients, which it wasn't and it isn't, which is why I didn't attach my name to it for years. Yeah. And tell me about Newey Blend. Yeah. So Newey Blend is something we did to celebrate uh, the 10th anniversary of the Marketing GP um, we also rebranded so not the name but the look and the feel and we thought okay what else can we do and we decided to collaborate with a local coffee roastery Peaberry's, uh, who we've done some work with and we thought well why don't we raise some money also for a charity uh, which is trog cancer research and that's where it started so and it just felt like a right fit for a marketing agency to have its own coffee blend, I think. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I think you have a lot of coffee. Yeah, definitely. And it was great too. It tied in, we got to go and do a cupping, which is where you learn about the blending process of coffee, which I don't think anybody in the team knew about that either. So it just ticked all these boxes for things. It just had so much alignment to us. And so now, yeah, it's raising money for child cancer research, which... Um, All three of uh, the businesses that are involved are based in the Hunter region, but, um, you know, work nationally or internationally. Uh, Trog is just, you know, they're 30 years old. uh, They're in the Hunter, but they're doing this amazing research that has international reach uh, because one in two people who are diagnosed with cancer will benefit from radiation therapy. So it just made sense to try and support a business like that as well. How good is collaboration? Yeah. Yeah, it's what has helped build my businesses. And so any opportunity I've got to start a collaboration, I jump in. Yeah, so
1: good. And I think we, we, people throw around the term collaboration or we believe
0: in collaboration, but I think more people say it than actually do it. And collaboration is hard work. Because there's always got to be somebody driving it or one of the businesses driving it. Um, Somebody has to be in charge of it because if somebody's not in charge of it, nobody's in charge of it and (laughs) (laughs) it won't move forward. And I've learned that from collaboration in the past as well.
1: There you go. Which leads me on to my next question. What do you think is some of the biggest, a biggest mistake that people make in
0: business? Okay. The biggest mistake, this is a tough one. My biggest mistake would have been not having a growth mindset um, because then you have to redo things later because you didn't do it. Not necessarily you didn't do it right from the start, but you didn't do it in a, in a way that would allow that growth. And I do think that sometimes that can be a female trait of not having that growth mindset as well uh, because you think, I'll just do this little thing. That's, that's just what I'll do. Whereas why not just imagine taking over the world? And it might even be an Australian thing too because I I get the impression Americans aren't like that. They'll just jump in and be like, let's make this the biggest thing ever. We're going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it might be when you combine the Australian tall poppy syndrome with the female traits, and I know this is generalising, but that's just been my personal experience and when I talk to other female business owners, that's often what pops up is they just think, I'll just do this little thing. Yeah. So, Miss Holly?
1: What are the top three important lessons that you've learned over your business career?
0: Okay. Well, the first one has to be start with a growth mindset, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's number one. Start with a growth mindset. <laughs> because if you start with a growth mindset, um, you know, you have a plan then as well. And um, having a plan is extremely helpful because it gives you a path of where you're going. Um, maybe the second one would be around uh, as a business owner investing in your people I was really scared to hire my first person because I don't know what I was scared about. I guess probably just that responsibility. And so, the first person I hired was for three hours a week. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was exactly (laughs) the same. I put on a VA for like five hours and then eight hours and then – and the three hours, I think, lasted two weeks. (laughs) And then I think it might have been, you know, two weeks of six hours and then it expanded. Um, But – investing in your people is really important because they're the ones that will go on the journey with you. I'm so lucky to be surrounded by people who take the same pride in working at the marketing GP as I do. And so I just really, you know, want to spend more time with those people and invest in them and see them grow and flourish. It's really exciting in our team, um, we don't really hire for a job description. We have a certain need and then we hire the person that's a right culture fit because it's not the right fit to work at an agency for everyone. It's not the right fit to work at our agency for everyone. It's really about people who are going to thrive there because work takes up a big chunk of time. Yeah. And we want people to love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I guess the last one might be around don't be afraid to ask questions. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm constantly asking questions of everyone I come across uh, because I know I don't know everything and I know that what I know today could be different tomorrow because things change. And every networking event I go to, every time I meet with a client, a business owner client, and we'll, we just always talk about business. And so I'm asking them questions. What's working? What's not? What have you changed? Um, what excites you? What terrifies you? So that I can just continue to learn and grow uh, so that m- the businesses that I run can continue to grow. Good on you, my
1: friend. <laughs> Thanks, Mel. Uh, I just think it's been wonderful to watch you over the last
0: 13 years just rise and rise and rise. Yeah, it's it's. I think the 10th anniversary this year has been really good to stop and, and reflect and see what's changed. Um, and, I, you know, the word journey, it gets used a lot, but um, it definitely has been a journey.
1: But it is a journey. Yeah. Because there's ups and downs and round and rounds yeah. and back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, it's, it, it's crazy.
0: It's definitely not a straight line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, it's, again, yeah, it's been wonderful to see you and and, and from meeting you when you were 26 years old, 13 <laughs> years ago, and now you're like an amazing
0: business owner, entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, right, <laughs> of, right over.
1: <laughs> What's the next thing for you?
0: Oh, good question. So, I've got another business that I've started with um, another person and um it's a product-based business. So this will be my first product-based business. Everything's been service-based up until now, but obviously we've got clients in products. So hopefully it'll all go swimmingly, but I think that that's the next frontier for me. And then the marketing GP just continuing to to grow because it will always be my my first business baby. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on Hey
1: Soul Sister and sharing some of your story and your lessons and business learnings. It's because, okay, that's how we all learn and grow is from listening and, and taking a, taking the knowledge and wisdoms from other people. And, and,
0: and doing ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> and then implementing it. Beautiful. So where can people find you? People can find me on LinkedIn. So just search for Holly Martin and I'll be there. Beautiful. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Mel. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesisterco.com.